Hey everybody, welcome to the Cast. This is the podcast where we talk to people for and or from the Midwest. I'm your host, Charlie Barons, and we are brought to you by Jolly Good Soda. Hey folks, welcome to a the first live episode of the Cast that uh, we've done. We're not currently live, we will be once we jump into this episode, but for the intro, I'm joined by Cast. Executive producer Colleen Maraca. Colleen, how you how you living? How we doing? Good. Honestly, though, this is the first live. Like people can see us if you're on Spotify. Oh yeah, on Spotify so you can fun. watch. You can see what we look like. In well, person. you already know what Charlie looks like, but if you've been dying to know what I look like, ta-da! Here it is. Have a nice day. Is that what your shirt says? <laughs> yeah. That's what the sticker on the computer it says. Be happy. Too. It's just like good reminders in the studio. Yeah, it is good reminders. I like that. Yeah, but it's good. And last night. Um, we recorded the Cast live with a former professor of mine. I don't know if, did you ever have? I did not have Mike Wagner, no. Yeah. But uh, did you get a good grade from him? I did. What'd you get? I mean, I passed. So. Okay. <laughs> Setting the bar high. But yeah, so you that was our guest last night was my old journalism professor. And, and yeah. yeah, and Mike is, uh, he is an expert in uh, basically, you know, uh, th- this upcoming Supreme Court election, um, it, it, you know, we wanted to find someone who was not uh, partisan. Uh, Mike is very neutral and um, was very neutral in this interview, kind of, you know, gave both sides of the issue. So I know our listeners are on both sides of the aisle, and we really wanted to make this as um you know, informative as possible. And really the goal is, is just everybody gets out and votes um, between now and April 4th. Because yep. um, it, it's always tough to remember. You know, we just got done with an election. Mm-hmm. People I feel like are, there's always, I'm always getting texts from someone like, hey, Colleen, time to vote in Wisconsin. I'm like, now I what? I just voted. For what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm confused. Yeah. And that's what he talks about in the interview too. He He gets into a lot of like, great information about why it's different this time. The fact that it's in the spring, it's on an odd year. There's a lot of different things going into it. And just uh, to give you uh, Mike's credentials, he is a professor at the School of Journalism, Mass Communications at the University of Wisconsin, which which both Colleen and I graduated <laughs> from. Um, somehow. <laughs> somehow. You know, I actually graduated with, I won't say flying colors, but definitely driving colors. <laughs> Uh, that's oh, oh, well, that's a dad joke that for was you. Good. I laughed. Hey, genuine- she laughed, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Look at that. Got a genuine laugh out of her. Usually they're uh, pity laughs. Uh, Mike is also a PhD in political science, uh, sciences from Indiana University. Worked in uh, journalism and politics and all that sort of stuff. He's also like doing research right now about um, elections and like yep. how people, so he's very, very informed guy, very qualified. He goes into a lot of it. I felt like I learned a lot last night back in school again. Yeah. That's the great thing about the Cripes cast is you have a lot of different people that come on that are more knowledgeable than you about a specific topic. And I oh, think yeah. that's the point. Yeah. Everyone's more knowledgeable about uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much every topic. Respectfully. Uh, respectfully. And, no, that. No, but I think it's good. He came in and really, I feel like a lot of people had a good time last night. There was laughs. There was, Aha uh-huh moments. Some tears, you yep. know? Yep. From who? Me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I was... Um, From him when you guys, when you were giving him crap about being a Vikings fan. There you go. There yeah. it is. I did 
go in off the top on that. Yeah. And we filmed it at Comedy on State mm-hmm. in Madison, and uh, all the proceeds went to Boys and Girls Club of Dane County, which is a great organization. And if anyone's interested, you can uh, support there independently. But a big thanks to everybody who came out. And I, I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully this will be the first of many live Cripes casts that we do. And yeah. honestly, I think we should just jump into it. Sure. Okay. That was her way of saying no. Okay. No, that's totally fine. But I just want to make sure everybody knows that if you are looking uh, for where your voting location is or what to bring in terms of identification, just go to myvote.wi.gov, uh, myvote.wi.gov. And with that, let's talk to Mike. At this point, I want to invite um, my guest up here. Now, uh, first of all, how many of you guys know when the uh, Supreme Court election is? What day? April 4th. Okay, it's April 4th, so make sure you get out there and make sure you vote. Tell your friends to vote. I don't care if you're uh, right, left, whatever. Just get out there and vote. That's how the whole democracy situation works. And uh, to help me talk uh, more about this, please welcome to the stage Mike Wagner, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, look at this. And he brings me up a beer. Oh, thank you very much, sir. Cheers. Okay. All right. There we go. I like that. Cheers. Thank you. So, um, Mike, how you doing? Oh, you know, real good there. Oh, you know. Okay. Fantastic. I, I like uh, that suit coat. I should have uh, dressed better for the show, but that's okay. Uh, you're upstaging me already. We both got jeans on. That's nice. Black shoes. Should have worn a sport coat. Note taken. Now... I want to uh, just let the audience know right off uh, the top that um, you have allegiances uh, to a team known as the Minnesota Vikings. Guilty as charged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you can boo them louder. Uh, It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. That's all right. Um, How does it feel to be a Vikings fan? Pretty terrible most of the time, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Do you remember when you guys got Brett Favre? I do. And do you remember that one game when it looked like the Vikings were going to go to the Super Bowl for the first time in a long, long, really long time? I do. And they were playing the New Orleans Saints. And it was the last play of the game. And Brett Favre went back to pass. He did. And and then he was looking... And he was looking, and he scrambled out of the pocket. Typical Brett Favre stuff. And then, do you want to tell him what happened next, or should I? I blacked out. <laughs> blacked out, okay. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Yeah. He threw an interception. That's right. And I had the biggest smile I've had in a long, long time. But, you know, right before that play, he counted up the number of people in the huddle incorrectly. There were 12 men in the huddle, which pushed them back further. They would have kicked a field goal couldn't, and then the crippling interception. So the Vikings always find an amazing way to lose. Wow. Give them a big round of applause for your support, ladies and gentlemen. Raising my kids Packer fans so that they are happy. Yeah, I'd like them to be happy. You like them to be happy, but you you yourself, you don't think you're gonna change allegiances? No, I, that, no. 
You know, Mike, I was doing a show recently in Minnesota, actually. I was doing a show um, at the... Um, uh, this comedy club. I, I, it, it was basically the Mall of America. It was in the. I was doing a show at the Mall of America because I don't know if you know this, but my career has really taken off. It's where America shops. So you it's know. where yeah. America yeah. shops. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the woman who, yeah, you haven't made it in comedy though until you're doing jokes <laughs> next to a rainforest cafe. I'll tell you. I'm, if your jokes aren't interrupted by like an every 10 minutes you hear a panther roar, then I don't know if you're really doing it right. Uh, but the woman who was working there, she was telling me all these facts about the Mall of America. And did you know that the Mall of America is so big, it can fit not one, not two, but three Viking stadiums inside the Mall of America. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. And yet not one Viking Super Bowl trophy. What's that about? <sighs> well... Yeah, that's true. We there's, there's, actually there's no stadium that can that can handle no, a Viking Super Bowl trophy. No, I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can tell that this is now just bullying, and so I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> actually, one more. She also told me. She also told me that the Mall of America has the biggest saltwater aquarium in the entire United States. The biggest indoor saltwater aquarium in the United States. And I was like, where do you get all that saltwater? In the Midwest. <laughs> Tears of Vikings fans, yeah, if um, yeah, yeah. She didn't, yeah. Yep, yep. Home turf, home turf advantage. Sorry about that. Sorry. So they, that's. They've been terrible my whole life, so it's not surprising. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so has that affected you on an emotional level? I think that um, my general orientation toward life is begin pessimistically, uh -huh. like a Vikings fan. Yeah. Something good happens, and you think, well, maybe. Then more pessimism. Then a huge unearned surge of optimism. Uh huh. And then crippling, shocking, devastating, memorable defeat. <laughs> so I'm doing great. I feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming in today. And by the way, uh, if you guys have questions uh, for Mike after we ask a few, uh, feel free. We'll get some audience questions about this upcoming Supreme Court election and all that sort of stuff. And uh, we're just kind of going to get the deal. Now, uh, can you give people like your, uh, your background? What, what are your credentials? What brings you up here today? Sure. So um, I'm a professor in the School of Journalism and Mass Communication here at UW. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I have a PhD in political science from Indiana University, a lesser red and white Big Ten school. Um, and I, before that, worked as a journalist and worked in politics. And so I, I study politics. I used to be a reporter. And now I study how elections work and, and that sort of thing. That's awesome. And uh, elections, uh, would you say in Wisconsin compared to you know other states, how is just the general state of democracy and just the state of... Um, access to voting and all that sort of stuff. What does that look like in Wisconsin compared to the rest of the country? It's a mixed bag. So on the one hand, uh, Wisconsin usually has one of the top two or three uh, rates of voter turnout in the United States. So we, we turn out to vote in really high levels, which is very good. That's largely on the back of, of the rules that set up how we vote, which is you can register to vote on the same day. You can register to vote on election day in Wisconsin, which you can't do in most states. So that's why our voter turnout is higher. Uh, we also, though, 
uh, make it harder to vote in some ways. So we have a more restrictive uh, ID law. So those who like that say it's um, really important to push back against voter fraud and to say if you have a photo ID with your signature on it that's government issued that has a start date and an end date, we can be more confident that you're you're voting. And so it's so that's a little bit harder for some people. Not everybody has a government issued photo ID, especially those that don't drive, uh, and, and also seniors are less likely to have that. Um, there are rollbacks the current state Supreme Court has done with respect to where you can vote. So in previous elections, you could vote um, in drop boxes. You could take your ballot to a drop box and vote early so you didn't have to leave work on a, on a cold Tuesday and wait in line and, and vote. And so those things have changed. So it's a mixed bag. Some things are really good. Some things are a little bit more restrictive. Got it. Got it. Now, with this um, current election, what are uh, basically we have a divided court, is that correct? And then so the this election is going to sort of tip the balance either to the left or to the right, is that correct? So the, so the current court has a one seat advantage for a more conservative judicial philosophy, and the uh, position that's open is one of those conservative positions. So if the liberal candidate, who is Janet Protosewitz, wins, then the balance would shift to a liberal advantage on the court. It would be a four to three liberal advantage. And if Dan Kelly wins, then it would remain the way that it is now. And in Wisconsin, we obviously have a Democrat governor, a very uh, Republican legislature. And what does that sort of say about uh, Wisconsin, generally speaking, in terms of popular vote and sort of uh, how districts vote or how it's uh, been redistricted, or districted, how, how we've done the redistricting? Yeah, so, so the way that our state district lines are drawn for our state legislative districts are in, in the history of the republic, so in the history of our country since you know the 1790s, um, Wisconsin's state legislative districts are the eighth most gerrymandered in our country's history. And so how that manifests itself in elections is usually Democrats win somewhere in the neighborhood of 60% of votes for legislative offices in statewide elections, and Republicans usually get 60% of the seats. So Democrats usually win about 60% of the votes and get about 40% of the seats. Republicans usually win about 40% of the votes and get about 60% of the seats. Democrats say this is an obvious uh, problem of, of gerrymandering and the way these district lines are drawn to, to goose the advantage for Republicans. Republicans say Democrats live in more concentrated areas, and so more of them are in some districts, but not in others. And so if the state Supreme Court race goes to the advantage of the liberals, we would be very likely to see new cases coming before the state Supreme Court asking to throw out the current district maps and replace them with something uh, that would be more in line with how those state votes in general statewide elections. So that's one way that this election could matter if it goes in one direction. With, with that idea that um, the liberal uh, voters are more concentrated in one area, does that, uh, you know, and breaking that up into sort of these districts and everything, is that sort of what, um, like, I guess our founding fathers had in mind when they were talking about democracy and sort of like one vote, you know, one vote, each vote is equal determining um, the president or the governor or whatever it is. Were, were they planning on that kind of representation? They generally favor the idea of, of one per well, well, they favor the idea of, of one man, one vote. Uh, one white man, really. One was how they were thinking about it. Right. Um, and, and they were also thinking about it in terms of they didn't trust us to vote for president. They trusted us to vote for our state level uh, officers and our the House of Representatives. With the, the founders, that's who they 
trusted us to vote for. And they thought that the districting would make it more likely that each of those voters would have equal weight to equal power in their vote when they, when they cast a ballot. They didn't think about it in terms of parties. Um, the first president, George Washington, uh, you, whom you might have heard of, uh, is, uh, was a person who famously warned against forming political parties. Now, he's often praised for saying, oh, we should be worried about political parties and not do them. He also was the leader of the Federalist Party, and so, you know, a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. Um, but our founders didn't think that parties were very good, but felt that elections and a large country would push back on some of the negatives that, that parties can, can cause. People who study politics say, you know, we need parties to have democracy because we need to organize our ideas in some kind of way. And, you know, you get one more vote than the other side, you get all the seats. And so that it, it, it advantages us to have teams. Um, but our founders didn't think that we would be in a situation like we are now where people who um, supported one side were concentrated in one area and people who supported the other were more disparate. That, that's not something they envisioned. And is there, um, is there a way to sort of redistrict, and we'll get to sort of the issues at Bay, but I just want to touch on this redistricting just to give everybody an idea. Is there a way to um, redistrict in a way that's not partisan? If you look at Illinois, it's very gerrymandered toward yeah. uh, the Democrats. That's right. You look at Wisconsin, very gerrymandered to favor the Republicans. Right. Is there a way to redistrict in a way that's nonpartisan? Is that possible? It is possible, and some states do it. So uh, not, not to praise Iowa, especially as a Minnesotan, but, but Iowa has a rule uh, that says you can't cut a county into more than one district unless that county has more people in it than can be in a district. And so, that, so what happens in, in places like Wisconsin is they'll slice and dice literally almost by the house. Or, or by the neighborhood, where they'll say, you know, this neighborhood goes into one district and then we're gonna put this neighborhood over in the other district. And so now people who live across the street from each other and might share a beer at their neighborhood block party are represented by different people. And usually that means that one of those neighbors is represented by someone who lives really far away and are probably getting less representation, you know, than, than, and less attention from their lawmaker. And so having uh, a nonpartisan system um, where neither political party or, not, or, or a governor doesn't get to decide and be the deciding vote for which way things go tends to make things more fair. If everybody has an equal number of votes, it's way harder to screw the other side. And then if you have rules about you can't cut counties, that, that the stronger rules also tend to make redistricting more fair. Now, even if we did those things in Wisconsin, like Democrats shouldn't get too excited, even if we, did, if we had a nonpartisan system and we didn't allow the splitting of counties, Republicans would still probably have an advantage, but it would be much smaller than the current one. In Iowa, when they redistricted, did, they, did it favor the Republicans or the Democrats? It doesn't really favor either party. Um, in recent years, it's been better for Republicans as the state's grown a little bit more conservative, but you know, under the same system, Democrats have also had huge advantages in Iowa in years past. Gotcha. So let's get um, to this uh, year's election uh, for Supreme Court. Uh, before we uh, talk about the candidates, is it typical for a state to have an election for Supreme Court justices? It's not super common, and it's even less common to have it at a weird time of year like April uh, in an odd-numbered year. And so it's we're, we're fairly unique in that regard that we elect 
Supreme Court judges. That, that seems a little peculiar. Most states don't do that. And then we have it on an off-cycle election, which also means that turnout tends to be way lower, which is why something like this is a really good, good thing to do. Got it. And so who are the candidates this year? So the candidates are Janet Protosiewicz, uh, who is uh, the more liberal of the, of the two candidates. Uh, she's a judge um, and has been uh, speaking a lot about different sorts of um, fundamental views she has about rights she would like to um, enact her judicial philosophy in favor of, and most notably reproductive rights is what she's really been campaigning on. And then Dan Kelly uh, is the other candidate um, who uh, was uh, appointed by Gov former Governor Walker as a state Supreme Court judge to fill a vacancy. And then when he ran uh, to keep that seat, he lost in the last election to now Supreme Court Justice uh, Jill Karofsky, and he's running again. Got it. So uh, we, we've got uh, these two choices of candidates. What are the the primary issues that this candidate, whether we elect a uh, Kelly or a Prosewitz, what are the issues that they'd be likely to rule on in the near future? So I would say the most likely um, would be uh, something related to the abortion issue. And so Wisconsin has a law from 1849 um, that criminalizes uh, abortion practice. And once Roe versus Wade in the 1970s became the federal uh, decision from the US Supreme Court and became the law of the land, that law then was kind of moot. It was inactive because federal courts reign over state courts. And so we had legal abortion in Wisconsin. And then when the United States Supreme Court overturned that decision, then the 1849 law restarted, reignited. And so now abortion's not legal in Wisconsin. And so it's very likely that our attorney general, who is a Democrat, or, or other more left-leaning lawyers would bring a case before the Wisconsin State Supreme Court to say that that 1849 law sh should not be something that um, should should carry the legal weight. And basically the legal argument is Wisconsin has another rule that says if a law hasn't been used for a long period of time, then it's supposed to be sunset. And so they would argue, hey, from 1973 to 2022 or whatever it was, um, that, yeah, that that 1849 law didn't count, so it should be gone anyway. We shouldn't have it. And so abortion should be legal in Wisconsin unless the legislature wants to pass a law that says it isn't and the governor would signs it. And so that, of course, wouldn't happen in our current configuring of government. So if Protosewitz wins, it's very likely a case would come before the state Supreme Court that would we would forecast would be most likely to, to reinstate uh, legal abortion in Wisconsin. It would be the, the most likely outcome. Now, Oh, and I guess I should say conversely, if, if Dan Kelly wins, then the, it's very unlikely that that would even get brought to the court. Mm -hmm. it would just, we would just maintain the status quo would be the most likely outcome. But the status quo with that law in particular, it um, does it not make an exception for rape or incest. Is that correct? That's, uh, the, the law doesn't really deal with those things. Okay, so it, like how, if those things were to come up, how would it likely be ruled if, uh, say, Dan Kelly were to win? Uh, it would, it's hard to know for sure, um, but it would seem like there would not be exceptions um, unless... Uh, another, but there, there are other conservative judges on the state Supreme Court who are sometimes behave as swing voters. And so you could imagine Justice Hagedorn siding with liberals in a case like that, but that's a lot of, that's a lot of guesswork. 
Got it, got it. Uh, so we obviously have the um, abortion issue, which is a hot button issue, but what other uh, issues would be brought up? I'm thinking specifically with uh, gerrymandering. Yeah, so I would imagine we'd see cases that would ask the court to throw out the current maps saying that they are um, unfairly gerrymandered to advantage a political party, which historically the U.S. Supreme Court wasn't really a fan of, but more recently has become more uh, relaxed about. Uh, and so we would probably see cases about asking to throw out our current uh, state legislature maps. We would probably see lawsuits um, related to uh, trying to expand voting rights, probably trying to reinstitute voting at ballot drop boxes. At the very least, I would suspect for disabled voters um, who have made a lot of noise about having a hard time voting in person in line on election day and had utilized drop boxes as a way to be able to vote. Um, so you could imagine different kinds of voting rights would be something. I would imagine labor rights would also be raised. Um, now it's, gosh, 12 or so years ago um, when uh, then-Governor Walker signed Act 10, which ended public uh, bargaining rights in Wisconsin. Um, that's had a lot of <laughs> twists and turns to the court system. I would imagine that it might be possible to see more um, lawsuits related, re related to that again. And so labor, voting rights, abortion, probably some issues related to uh, environmental regulation uh, would come up. So the state Supreme Court, for example, uh, the chair of the, the DNR, his term ended, refused to step down, said, I'm just gonna stay. There was a lawsuit brought before the state Supreme Court. They said, you can stay. And so we would imagine that would go the other direction if, if Protosiewicz wins and wouldn't get brought back to the court if, if Kelly wins. Got it. With uh, respect to um, voting rights, um, sort of bringing that up again, um, what, uh, like in Madison, for, there, there's all these different um, rulings um, with what IDs are acceptable and what are not. So this is just for people who are um, thinking of going out and voting on the day, especially students. In Madison, I think in all the other um, UW uh, schools, you can use your student ID and it's an acceptable form of voting ID, I believe. But in Madison, it's different, is that correct? My understanding is that it's still different, but that you can get an ID um, that would be legal to vote, but it's not your the student ID that gets you your, you know, um, into the library or your you're, you're spending money on food and things like that. It would be a different idea that, that you can get from the UW, but isn't the same as the student ID. But why would other universities be able to use their ID yet not in Madison? So it depends on what information's on the ID. Okay. And so the, the voter ID requirement has a strict set of requirements about what has to be on there. Um, and I think Madison's student ID doesn't meet all of those requirements. I, th I think it might have an, to do with with an expiration date and, and an address. Okay, so if people wanna make sure uh, that they can vote in the election, what should they bring to be safe on the day? Well, you can register to vote on election day uh, by bringing um, proof of your address. And so if you just go, if you Google something like, how do I vote in Wisconsin, um, or voting, something like that, you can go to the state's website and it'll tell you what exactly you can bring um, to make sure that you are uh, you know, legal to register to vote there. You basically just need uh, proof of where it is you, you, that you live um, and, and that it's in Wisconsin, that proof of residence. Got it. And that website is myvote.wi.gov. That's right. If, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I knew it was something like that. Um, uh, what about weed? <laughs> what about it, Charlie? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm just asking. I'm asking for a friend. Uh, <laughs> 
We kind of yeah. live in sort of this uh, weed desert sort of in Wisconsin. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, which is ironic because we call our water fountains a bubbler here, you know? And <laughs> don't laugh that hard. Well, no. I can see those eyes. Do you think uh, marijuana will have um, sort of make its way to the Supreme Court? Will this election uh, sort of sway that one way or another? I'm not sure that that that's the most likely thing to come of this. Now, the governor has been in favor of uh, talking about legalization of marijuana, at least for medicinal purposes. Um, and I think that there are lots of lawmakers in Wisconsin who they're are so committed to a round of applause <laughs> at that. They're they're so trying to start it. <laughs> And, I'm and just looking for who isn't clapping at this point. You know? <laughs> they're just staring at the ceiling because they're already high. Yeah. Um, so uh, then there's there's quite a few lawmakers who are who are in favor of legalizing marijuana just more generally. Democrats in, in, and Republicans. In, not many Republicans. Okay. Um, not not really. And 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 but most importantly, the the Speaker of the State Assembly. Um, is not interested in bringing the issue to a vote because it's it's very popular in Wisconsin, but most Republican lawmakers don't want it, and so it's it's very likely to not get on the legislative agenda because it would cause his party to take an unpopular and public vote that about an issue that people some people really care about. But the, you could imagine uh, a couple of scenarios where the governor might issue some kind of executive action that might try something that would then likely immediately get you know get the courts involved and then it would work its way to the state Supreme Court or even the Department of Health Service, DHS might even try to, you know, pursue some kind of action that might even just to study legalization. You, you can imagine that those things might then make their way to the state Supreme Court, but it's probably not the kind of issue that's as likely to get immediate attention um, after the election. Do you know why um, Republicans would be so opposed to marijuana? I'm talking from sort of an economic standpoint. You look at Illinois, there's sort of a windfall of taxes that they get from that. Um, Michigan has the same thing. A lot of these Midwest states are um, finding a way to legalize it. What, what is the opposition, especially in a state where drinking and driving is so problematic and we have the worst... We, we really do. Like, when you come to drinking and driving, like here, if you get caught drinking and driving, you get a slap on the wrist... Um, and now drinking and, or smoking and driving is not um, much better either. Is, are they seeing our drinking? How do we have such lax? Thank you so much. You're a oh real boy. hero, honestly. <laughs> Give her a big round of applause. Bringing the beers up. Jeez, Louise. How can we be so lax on, as I get another beer delivered? <laughs> I'm not driving tonight. How can we be so lax on sort of the beer laws, which is a psychoactive in intoxicant, yet another psychoactive intoxicant we're so opposed to? What's, what, what is behind that? Well, I think the, the, the Tavern League and the, the, the power of, of uh, restaurants and bars in the state in terms of their how they earn political support is, is probably one reason. Wait, um, why is the tavern, or do they think people are just gonna get super high and watch Netflix and not go to the bars? No, I think it's that they don't that want probably to, would happen. I, I think it's probably more a worry about getting more regulation on, on drinking and driving. So, to quick, quick side story. So several, when I first got here to Wisconsin, this was three presidential elections ago, there was a, uh, an attorney general's race, and I moderated, the, moderated a debate at the law school of the Democrats who wanted to be the attorney general candidate. And so one of the questions I asked them was, do any of you support 
you know, operating a car to the influence of alcohol to be something more than a misdemeanor. And these are the, the Democrat. None of them did. None of them would. Right. So there's, there's just the political culture in Wisconsin is not one that's likely to regulate alcohol, despite all the things we know about how bad drinking and driving is. And so but your question was about Republicans and marijuana. Well, tr- and yeah, true. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. But <laughs> I, I kind of want to ask yeah. the audience. Yeah, I mean, you guys are general, yeah, I don't know, hodgepodge of people. Do you think we should be more restrictive on drinking and driving? Let's hear applause for no. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> the vocal minority. I see how it is. I see how it is. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's uh, American politics in a nutshell, right there. <laughs> so the loudest so, voice gets a lot of attention. That's yeah, true in American politics. Yeah, you said yeah. it so great. Yeah, f- you. you know that was great. That was great. You better go to confession, sir. It's Lent. Cheese, squeeze. Cheese, squeeze. Go on. <laughs> And so, but on the on the on the Republican side, uh, really since since Ronald Reagan was president, there's been a, a strong like you might remember the former First Lady Nancy Reagan's "Just Say No" campaign. Um, you know, very aggressively opposing you know using different kinds of drugs. And then there was for a long time there was a, a belief that using marijuana would be what's called a gateway drug. It would be first you use marijuana and then you begin using, you know, which, which doesn't have much in the way of harmful effects, but then, well, maybe then you start trying something that's more addictive and more destructive, like cocaine or heroin or, or opiates. And we have a huge opioid crisis in our state. It, it's one of the worst in the, in, the, in the country. And so I think some people believe that marijuana is a drug that is a gateway to these harder drugs that cause all kinds of really negative social problems. The, the research doesn't quite make that same case, um, but the connection between evidence and outcomes aren't always a high correlation in American politics. Do you mean to tell me that in American politics, we are guided more by emotion than facts? How dare you? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> why, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think emotion uh, guides us? Because uh, that's that's been the case for a number of years. Is it a recent thing? Did, did that... I don't think it's a recent thing. And, and I think, you know, we need emotions to make decisions. People making decisions just based on cold hard facts tend not to lead to great outcomes either. It's, it's the so mixture. People get bored and they fall asleep and they're like, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Christ, it's like, no. you, you can imagine the president, like there was an old Saturday Night Live with when Al Gore was running for president. It was like, all right, all right, America, open up your textbooks to page 44. You know, like it's a little That's boring. That's a great impression, <laughs> by the way. Thank Look you. at that. Thank yeah, you. yeah so, give him a yeah. big round of applause for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And so, so, but we need we need emotions to make decisions. We don't need too much emotion to corrupt our view of things that are true, right? So, like the way I explain it to students is like, so let's watch a replay of a controversial play at a Badger game or a Packers game, and we'll and so so let's imagine Vikings game. Okay. Well, but there are there are no Vikings fans in the in the in the in the crowd That's at, true. In, That's in a class I'm teaching that better here. Be true. And so yeah. you know so. So, you know, uh, Jordan Love, will say, throws a pass to Aaron Jones, and did he get two feet in bounds or not? Right? Packer fans will say yes. Vikings fans will say no. Raiders fans will objectively tell you what happened, right? Because they don't have an interest in the outcome. That's actually right? a terrible example with Ra- Raiders Ra- Raiders fans. are bad. They'll, they'll just mess As with I you. As I said, Raiders, I realized I, I should have said, you know, 
um, 49ers fans yeah, or something. Yeah. Although they're probably high. So, yeah, you know, it's hard to know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard to know. Yeah, yeah. Folks, excuse the interruption, but uh, I just want to let you know that Lent is almost over. And for those of you who gave up soda for Lent, <sighs> I did not. That's a jolly good soda, ladies and gents. We got one more. Mm. Oh. That was a bad one. Oh, listen to that pop. You also didn't give up soda, huh? Nope. Here, cheers. Mm. Cheers. Oh, yeah. That's a good soda, ladies and gentlemen. That's the sour power. It's not even in my old fashioned, but... Uh, I got a blue raspberry. The the blue raspberry, as Grandpa Bob used to say. Raspberry. Raspberry. That was it. Um, what did I give up? I gave up paying taxes for Lent. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Well, luckily Lent is over before tax season is officially I know. done. I can live uh, live the dream a little longer. But um, regardless if you gave something up or not, Easter is almost here. And there is no better time to treat no better your sweet, sweet tooth treat than, than jolly with, good soda. Oh, okay. Well, what I was going to say was a bit. <laughs> Colleen always writes these beautiful ad reads no. and I oh. screw them up royally. <laughs> No, usually when I write them, you roll your eyes and then do your own thing. That's untrue. That's very untrue. Anyway, enjoy your egg hunt with your family while guzzling down a jolly good soda. Do you guys still do an egg hunt? Uh, for Yeah, because now there are grandkids in the family. <laughs> My brother and I, like, I'm 25, he's 27. We fully still do egg hunts. Who hides the eggs? Your mom? My mom, and she's really good at it. Oh, my God, you guys. That's, that's great. Keeping the dream alive. Yeah. Well, You're, actually, I think two years ago we stopped because it would get, I mean, it was always physical, but. You guys are competing over the eggs? Yeah, I only won once. <laughs> oh, you've only won one Lauren's time? really physical and rude. Like, yeah, he kind of, as soon as I see something, he can see my thoughts. He's the more athletic sibling. So he'll yeah. go and run and find it and then like beat it out of my hands. I respect that. Yeah. I respect that a lot. And then once he got married, my mom was like, maybe we should stop. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should stop before this ends the marriage. Yeah. Before she sees what we're really all about. But maybe if I would have had jolly good beforehand for like a little pregame. Yeah. I would have won more. Oh yeah. I think that's what we can. Would you guys, but it'd be so nice and sweet. You'd have no desire for any of the uh, little jelly beans hidden inside the eggs. What they put inside the eggs? Was it jelly beans or was it money? We had to make sure. And then we also, <laughs> we had like two dozen eggs hidden just for the two of us. Oh my gosh. Or wow. we actually, you have to have an odd number so that someone wins, but we also hid the hard boiled eggs. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that would suck to not find one of those. Yeah. So my mom would always keep count. And then we always had like the specific places that you knew at our old house, like where it would be. It was always in the mailbox. Uh huh. It was always in the drain spout on the right side of the house. Nice. It was always in the basketball hoop lever thingy because we had a yeah. Yeah. So you, you, it's basically a mad dash to the ones you know, and then it. Becomes, and then she'd do some like, the tricky ones were like the gas pipe. Like hopefully you the gas pipe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really hope you remember that one. <laughs> That's great. But yeah. So you don't compete now that you're like an adult. We never competed. Oh. I don't think I I got a big family. It was always, you know, finding it for the younger kids Oh, and then stealing their candy. That's what's up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of tears on Easter morning. 
He is risen and she is crying. Yeah. I have like, we have a lot. I'll have to find the photo. We have a live picture of me throwing the egg at the camera because my mom was trying to get a picture of me when I was like mad. That's hilarious. Wow. Breaking the camera. Really? Did it hit the camera? No, she got it and then got out of the way or something. Oh my God. Yeah. That's hilarious. Anyway. Anyway, find Jolly Good at your local grocery store in Wisconsin. If it's not there, let them know to order it or just go to Jolly Good Soda. Dot com And finally, folks, listen, we've got um, so many great Midwest items for you on mantuagman.com. Uh, new arrivals like our Supper Club t-shirt, I Survived the Midwest Goodbye. That's not going anywhere. The Brewers won, even though I'm not a Brewers fan and the season starts this week. Yep, it does. Um, actually, I'm going to the game with Rafi, um, potentially. It's supposed to snow, though, in Chicago on opening day for the Cubs. You're going to go to the Cubs opening game? Yeah. Damn. I got friends, pay staff friends. Andy Rafi. Okay. I'm not saying you don't have friends. I'm not saying you... You guys heard it here first. Charlie just said I don't have friends. God. I'm not saying you don't have friends. I'm just saying... I just have friends that don't have any uh, social pull. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so we have that and then also too this spring we have a lot of kind of sneaky holidays i would say mother's day comes up father's day father's day i guess is in the summer earth day i don't know but you want to get some earth day (laughs) yeah you want to get someone for earth day why not get someone a cribbage board made out of a tree we cut down okay uh, actually, they are local. Uh, it's all sustainable wood, all that sort of stuff. It honestly is. Check, and the cribbage boards are awesome. Hey, replay that for a classic uh, backtrack. That was really good. <laughs> we also have bumper stickers, uh, drink teas, koozies, hats. And of course, the we've got the Midwest Survival Guide for sale. Uh, so anyway, you can get them all there. And uh, another way you can support the podcast, go patreon.com slash Charlie Barons, where you'll find outtakes, longer cuts of our videos, um, you know, uh, Q&A, Q&A <laughs> we, question and answer. That sounds too close to QAnon. Q&A. <laughs> we'll do AMA. Ask me anything. AMAs. Yep, we got those. <laughs> and um, yeah, check it out. Patreon.com slash Charlie Barons. And with that, let's go back to comedy on State and Madison and finish up the interview with Mike Wagner. Where were we? So the, 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 the nerdy term for it is motivated reasoning, which is that people tend to believe what they want to believe, even in the face of evidence uh, that they're wrong, because it feels good to think that you're right. And that's, that's a lot of how American politics works. We're motivated to believe in our side, even when evidence shows us that our side is wrong. And it's, it's really hard to overcome that. It takes a lot of evidence. It takes evidence from sources that you trust. But we live in a society where we trust the news less. We trust our neighbors less. In, in surveys we do of Wisconsin voters, 63 or 4% say that they've stopped talking politics to a friend because they disagree, and 20% just say they've just ended the friendship. And so politics is affecting our lives. It is brutal. It's one in five of us. One in five people. To hell with you, Grandma. That's right. That's right. Not not a sign of a healthy democracy where we just say, we disagree, so I guess we're done, right? I mean, that's one in five of us in our state say that, and, and it's partially because of this role of emotion versus evidence, and it's partially a, a, a reaction to society changing and people worried about losing what they have and seeing other people take resources. And, and politicians are more than happy to tell you who's to blame for your problems, and it's never you and it's never them. It's always someone else. And so 
that kind of toxic mix leads us to try to persuade people to turn out to vote for things like a state Supreme Court election. Mm. Uh, speaking of influencing people to turn out for an election, there's been more money spent on this Supreme Court election than there has, I believe, than any other Supreme Court election in the history of U.S. history. That is correct. Uh, Illinois used to hold the record. Um, and even adjusting for inflation, we outpace Illinois in spending for this race. <laughs> Take that, Illinois. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Suck it. Jeez. <laughs> Were you a big wrestling fan in the early 2000s? <laughs> Oh man, so uh, that's good. I, I applaud it. You know, uh, nice. For, that's good stuff. Yeah, but um, more than more than thirty million dollars, I think, has been spent already. Most of it not by the candidates. So, like Protosawitz has raised well over a million dollars. Kelly has raised four or five hundred thousand dollars at least. Like the last time they had to tell us how much. They're, they've surely both raised more since. But you know. I'm not sure if you're a math nut, but that doesn't equal $30 million. That's about $1.5 million or maybe two. So lots of money is coming in from all over the country trying to influence uh, how we're voting. And, and it's never an ad that says, Janet Protosawitz approaches legal decision-making like this, or Dan Kelly uh, uh, you know, approaches judicial philosophy in this way. It's, Janet Protosawitz wishes that your children were you know, like that's, that's the sort of thing. the commercial. That's right. He just doxed himself. Jeez. Well, we, we don't get paid. I need a little moonlight to make a little extra cash. Yeah, yeah. you know, professor salary. Yeah, you got to get that voiceover work, right. you know? That's right, that's right, that's right. Dan Kelly lets the air out of your tires at night, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was him this whole time. Yeah, it's totally, yeah. It's Dan Kelly never... Put props up your wipers when there's icy rain outside. And then Brody Sandwich doesn't open the door for you at the quick trim. She lets it slam in your frickin' face. And then a, a gentle acoustic guitar begins playing, and then the other candidate comes out and they take the windshield wipers off. And like, oh, hi. I'll even put a, wall, uh, a leech on your hook to catch a walleye. There you go. So, well, so all this money is is money um, free speech? Is money free speech? Are corporations people? Uh, well, the, the U.S. Supreme Court says yes. Um, other humans, I think, have a different reaction to that. Yeah, you guys but, disagree. Yeah, yeah. So the the law of the land is that corporations can spend money relatively in a relatively unregulated way. Um, and, and the argument is that they have the same free speech rights as that you and I do. Mm. Um, many people, including, a, a, but not quite a majority of, of the Supreme Court disagree, but that's, that's, the, current, that's the current rule. Um, okay, well that, that is interesting. Now, as far as recusing oneself from decision making, uh, Protosawitz says uh, um, the Democratic Party gave her 2.5 mil, something like that, right? Or at least spending ads for her that, yeah. Uh, gave her a lot, a of, money. lot of money. Yep. And she said that she would likely recuse herself from rulings involving them. Um, Dan Kelly uh, did not take the same position. Is that correct? But that, that's again, right. likely keyword. In right. So the, one of the arguments being made in, in advertisements against Dan Kelly are that he's taken lots of donations for people that have come before him in court, and then he's ruled in favor of them in those cases. And so Protosawitz has been you know, criticizing him for that, but hasn't quite said, I won't sit you know, and, and judge cases where a donor 
has given money. She said, I likely won't, which, you know, is likely is doing a lot of work there. Yeah. It's all about the modifiers. Is that a modifier? Can someone check me on that? Likely? I don't know. Is that a modifier? Mm-hmm. Why not? Okay. All right. Um, they gave me a second beer, so I'm losing my, yeah, my ability I, I, to make yeah, that judgment. Forget it. Thanks, Tavern Link. Um, <laughs> So at this point, um, it, first of all, do you have, before we open it up to audience questions, do you have anything um, that you think I should have asked that I didn't ask? Uh, you know? Oh, that's the question we teach our students, of which you were one, they should always ask as a last question. Yeah, so that's a great it's like, question. can yeah. you uh, yeah. just do my job for <laughs> that's me right. here? That's you right. know? Like, so wh- why bother, right? Um, most of us will never meet a state Supreme Court judge. Most of us will not breathlessly read the decisions that they make. Why bother voting? Because it affects a wide variety of things that matter uh, to all of us a great deal. No matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or you think the whole system sucks and you would never join any of those groups. And so things happen related to what people get to do with their bodies, how, how they get to vote, how much of their money they get to keep and what the government can say about it, what happens to the government's ability to regulate or not regulate the environment. Um, all of these things are huge decisions and the state Supreme Court will make a lot of the decisions that affects what happens right here in Wisconsin and we have a unique opportunity to, to actually have something to say about that and on april 4th we we can let them know which philosophy we prefer more that's great yeah, give, give mike a big round of applause Um, And I also want to thank all of you, before we open it up to audience questions, I want to thank all of you for coming out. All of uh, the money you spent on the tickets, which I thank you for doing, that's all being donated um, to uh, Boys and Girls Club of Dane County. So a big thanks to all of you um, for coming out and doing this. And with that, does anybody uh, have a question that they would like to ask? That, yeah, go ahead. Uh, here, come on up. Come on up on stage. You can take my mic. It's sweaty. All right. So um, after the, uh, the primary, um, I think that Protosawitz had uh, as many or a little more votes than Doro and Kelly combined. And then, of course, there was Mitchell. Uh, so I feel like I'm a little overconfident about the outcome here, and I'm nervous about it. So what's going on with that? I, I, that's a good question. I think, um, I think a lot of uh, liberals, especially in Dane County and Milwaukee County, are, are, have that same kind of view, right? So if you look back to the last state Supreme Court race, which is not a, which is not a perfect analog to this one, but is, is reasonable, in that one, Dan Kelly won the primary by about 90,000 votes. And he lost the general to uh, Jill Karofsky by like 150,000 or something like that. So th- th- this go round, uh, yeah, Protosawitz did far better than Kelly. And if you add together Mitchell and Protosawitz, who were the two left-leaning candidates, versus the two right-leaning candidates who were in the primary, the, the liberal candidates way outperformed uh, the conservatives. And so if they improve by that much more in the general, then it should be an easy win for liberals. But... These are low turnout races. This is a race in April of an odd numbered year, which is not when anybody was taught there's an election when they were growing up in school. They were taught, you know, it's the second Tuesday of November in presidential years. And so um, it's, it's hard. People have a hard time remembering to show up for these sorts of things. And so I would say they're, they're really, really hard to predict. And so evidence from the past suggests that the liberals should have a better time in this race, but it's not something you'd want to... Um, 
you wouldn't want your uh, your aunt to take that and, and lay down the money uh, at, a, at a bookie's table on that. You, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet the wouldn't bet the farm on it. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, any other uh, questions? Yeah, uh, you want to come up here? Or you just want to yell it from over there. Oh, I can yell it. Okay, yell it. Uh, why is there so much solidarity amongst conservatives and yet um, uh, progressives have such a difficulty in finding together to pass legislation? Why do progressives eat their own? <laughs> ah, this is a great question. Um, so, on a comedy stage, I'm going to begin a sentence with the academic research suggests, but I will, that conservatives tend to favor more absolutist points of view, and so it's easier to unify around absolutist points of view. Things are right or they are wrong. Liberals tend to prefer what researchers call consequentialist point of views. Well, under this circumstance it's right, but under this circumstance it's wrong, and so that gets, it's a little bit harder to generate agreement, especially like excited, let's take to the streets agreement to, what do we want this under these circumstances, but not those? When do we want it? Well, sometimes, but not others, right? And so it becomes, it, it's just harder. Right, to make that kind of argument, right? And so part of it is, is, is that. That's a sketch right, right there. That's a bit. <laughs> you can have it. You can have it. Yeah. And so part of it is just like natural orientation to how we decide what's right and wrong. Um, and, and part of it is that in the United States, the left-leaning party, the Democrats, are, are just more heterogeneous. There's more different kinds of people in the party, a wider age range, a, a way wider uh, racial composition, uh, and so there's just different preferences. And so it's harder to, to form a coalition that's motivated in the same direction on all, all points all the time. Got it. So that's why uh, progressives eat their own. Um, <laughs> yes, go ahead. So my wife is but I was wondering... Your wife is regretting being back from the bathroom for this. One of the was behind the smoking ban in Manana before it became statewide. And one of the biggest uh, oppositions we fought was the Tavern League. So what if we got the Tavern League on our side and they could start selling pot in their cigarette vending machines? What if the Tavern League would start selling pot in their cigarette vending machines? Not a bad idea. <laughs> there'd, be a, there'd be a lot of people just at the bar just staring at the TV longer than they already are. Nachos, nachos would go, yeah, exactly. Cheese curds, exactly. Cheese curd sales, boom, skyrocketed. It would help the agriculture. You got the farmers on board, there you go. So anyway, Mike, weed in the vending machines, what do you think? I think in the interest of keeping my job, I'll, I'll say that's, that's a really interesting idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. See how he pivoted like Kellyanne Conway, you know? I mean, professional move right there. Yeah, go ahead. Hop up on the stage is yours. Come on. Oh, guys. Um, so I'll start that um, naturalized citizen of America from Russia. And um, I love Madison. Madison is awesome. I feel just like at home. Because, wait, 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 wait. you know. <laughs> 
What part of Russia are you from that you feel just at home in Madison? It's the weather, right? Um, the weather. It's a drinking part of Russia. say I have controversial views, so um, I have too many questions to ask you, but I'll just ask one. Um, I don't know if it's a good one, but um, I find that people in America get to do stuff just really easily, like driving. I, was in, I, I moved in ninth grade to the U.S., and so I didn't know how to drive, but they gave me driver's lessons. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I mean, usually in Russia you have to pay for it, but in America it was free. So it was like, now I understand what the f country of free is. <laughs> um, my dreams were shattered when I became an adult. Um, <laughs> so um, when people so, vote... So you're a Vikings fan, then. <laughs> <laughs> when you were speaking about how you feel and those hopes and crushed dreams, I was like, this guy's Russian. Like, <laughs> For real, I was like, Long Island's a great here, guys. By the way, um, I come here all the time. The top Shelf Long Island is my favorite drink. Um, I went to school here too, so I, I moved in six and I moved away three times and I came back every time. Madison's awesome. Um, so here's a question, it's kind of weird, but um, I find like people in America, they go vote and they see D or R and they just vote. I feel like that's too easy. But sure, you can have, you know, maybe Badger ID can be better, so students can vote easily, easier, and, and maybe, maybe UW can change that. Um, but maybe you should know the name of the person you vote for, like fill in the blank. So, <laughs> I know, right? Did I say I moved in the ninth grade? Yeah, in Russia, every question was fill in the blank. I hear, I was like, oh, multiple choice, hell yeah. <laughs> So that's my question, is like, should people actually know who they vote for? Or should they just recognize the R and, you know, Republican, Democrat letter in the, in the vote? Yeah, I think this is a common complaint about our system, right? So, I mean, you know, the, in general, you know, the American public doesn't do itself a lot of favors in, in political knowledge tests, right? But there's not, a, there's not a rule that says you have to know a lot to be able to vote. And it's, it's but it's also the case, like, I'll, I'll make the case for political parties, if, if you know nothing else about two people running for office, but you know whether you're closer in your views to one party or the other, and you see those two on the ballot, you're going to make the right decision most of the time by voting for the party that's closest to your views. It, there, there was a, a time in American politics, really from, say, the 1950s through maybe the mid-70s, where there were enough Democrats who were conservative and enough Republicans who were liberal that just knowing the party label didn't help you as much as it does now. But now the, the gulf of differences across such a wide range of issues are, are, are just so enormous that if you know which side you're on, knowing the party, you're, you're gonna make the right decision probably nine times out of 10. Now, is that the same thing as other parts of what it means to be in a democracy, like holding your elected officials accountable. If you don't know who they are, it becomes really difficult <laughs> to hold them accountable. If you're redistricted so that 
you're in a district where the lawmaker lives 75 miles away, but you're just drawn in this weird little thing so that Democrats can't win or Republicans can't win near where you live. It's going to be really hard to know who your lawmaker is. And there's a lot of research that suggests people who get drawn into these gerrymanders are less likely to know who their lawmaker is. News organizations are less likely to cover those lawmakers, which make it harder for us to learn who they are. And so there's all kinds of negative consequences there. But we don't have to know those things to make good enough decisions. Um, it would be better if we all spent a lot of time researching everybody that we wanted to vote for and thought about it very, very thoughtfully. But, you know, in most elections, you'll go, you'll see candidates and you'll have heard a lot about the presidential candidates and really probably have a pretty formed opinion about who you like and why. Maybe the same for governor, U.S. Senate. And then for the House of Representatives, you're like, oh, I've heard that name. I, I, I don't think I'm mad at that person. Okay. Right. And then further down the ballot, Sometimes you're guessing, right? And, and research in elections basically shows those who are, who are enlisted first on the ballot in these down-ballot races tend to do better because we tend to take the first choice if we don't know. So there's, there's lots of reasons to be worried about how much we know or don't know about politics, but party labels tend to help us more than they hurt us. Also, I'm seeing like a lot of crazy, you know, Russian vodka. It's pretty hard to spell. Putin, pretty easy to spell, you know. Does that have anything to do with it? You think like... Putin? <laughs> you gotta do stand-up, you're hilarious, man. Huh? I'll take you, I'll take you with me, yeah, I'll do a hot five. Uh, anybody else? Uh, yeah, come on up, yeah. Had a two-prong question, I guess. Uh, one is the forever chemicals in the water, stuff like that. How does that relate to this election? And then the election denial stuff. Uh, Trump coming yeah. back. And okay, so so on election denial. So our state supreme court uh, held strong in the face of pretend things that weren't true that the former president said about the last election. And so the state supreme court held strong and um, said no, no. The state of Wisconsin did a very good job at administering the election. Several subsequent uh, studies and reports have, have come to that exact same conclusion. Um, but it's very likely um, that we'll see more litigation in Wisconsin after the next presidential election. Why? Because we are ground zero for swing states and they're usually, presidential races are usually really close here, and so usually the losing side will want to try to engage in some kind of legal maneuver to advance their, make it the most likely as possible that they can try to change the outcome. And so having a state Supreme Court that will weigh the evidence and not the ideology is probably no more critical than when deciding cases about elections. Like the minimum bar for democracy is the person who got more votes wins. And if we can't agree on that, we're in a lot of trouble. And, and so, and so th this race will certainly matter for that because we're, we're very likely to see you know, legal challenges to the next election. And then the forever chemicals question, um, you could imagine a few different ways that might matter in Wisconsin. So one might be if folks tried to engage in legal recourses to push back against frac sand mining or other behaviors that might make PFAS or CAFOs or other things in the water that are bad and stay there forever, you know, more likely to be there. And so there might, you know, be legal cases to try to regulate companies that engage in behaviors that make those chemicals more likely, or there might be cases brought forth to just say, um, when a person's term in office in government ends and they don't leave, 
they have to leave, um, which is not currently the way things are in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, and so like this, that's another way it would matter that would probably, it's more of an indirect way it would matter for the environment. But since the DNR case was really the central case um, as an example of, of that behavior, I would say those are probably the main, the main ways that that would, that would come into play as far as the state Supreme Court race goes. Lots of other stuff we could lobby our lawmakers about, but in the, in the way the state Supreme Court, that's, that's what I would suggest. Great. And um, I, we have time for a couple more questions, and I do want to be sincere in that, though. Um, I know from my uh, DMs that there are a couple uh, Kelly supporters here, too, and I do want to let you know that it is totally fine to come up. Uh, I know you're in the belly of the beast here in freaking Madison, but um, definitely do welcome your viewpoints. And um, yeah, so, but anybody else uh, who has a question? I saw a couple more hands up. Yeah, oh, back there. We'll get one from the back of the room. Uh, shout it out. Yeah, just all of you all at once. That's great. That was so Midwest. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I apologize. Jeez. Now no one's going to ask a freaking question. God dang it. Too polite. Yeah, I can't see you guys. Just whoever shouts louder wins. What's at risk for like trans rights and gender affirming care in this election? What's at risk for trans rights and uh, gender care in this? So um, I would say that, so uh, Judge Kelly tends not to take public positions on issues on the campaign trail and tends to make the argument that um, he takes each case um, as it comes and then applies his judicial philosophy to the state constitution to make a decision about the case. Um, when I, I moderated a debate between him and Jill Karofsky in the last state Supreme Court election, and I asked both him and Karofsky, when was the last time you made a judicial decision that was consistent with your legal philosophy but inconsistent with what you wanted with your politics? And Karofsky said something about minimum sentencing that she didn't like, but as a judge, she had to do it, and so she did it. And Kelly said he didn't have an example. And so, um, so, but, so this is a long way of saying that some of the people who are paying money to air ads that are attacking Protosewitz um, are groups that are deeply uh, opposing of the rights of transgender individuals. Now that's not Dan Kelly, he's legally not allowed to coordinate with those people. So he may not want their support, he may want it, I don't know, but he's getting it. And it's because those groups think that he'll make decisions in ways that favor their point of view. But whether they do or not, we don't know because he hasn't taken a, a public position. Whereas Protosewis has been more, more positive and, and kind of signaling that, that she's more in favor of deciding in expansive rights for transgender individuals. But again, we don't really know Kelly's position on it because he hasn't mentioned it. Any, uh, go ahead, right there. Ah, your birthday trumps Grandpa Bob. To you know, it was four years ago. You know, it's fine. He went out on a punchline. He's good. Happy birthday. What's your name? Helen? Helen. Happy birthday to you. Gang's all here. What the hell do we care? All right, what's your question? Happy birthday. <laughs> you never ask a Helen her age. Jeez. 
She's 56. Get it. Hell yeah, 56. Get after it, Alan. Do you think Trump will be indicted? Nah. <laughs> I, oh, you were asking him. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I think that's as good of an answer as any. I, I think I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really hard to know the answer to that question. I don't think I don't think anybody's guess is any better than anybody else's. Uh, um, it, it seems like the attorney general is behaving in the way that you would behave if you were going to indict somebody. Super quiet. Nothing being said. No leaks. Uh, that's what you would do if you're going to indict somebody who is that high profile. Um, but you could just as easily come to the decision not to do so. And I think the, the case in New York, I think, is more, um, more of a distraction. Like it's, 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 it's certainly a, a, a case where uh, it looks, you know, from what we've read in the reporting, like a law might have been broken. Um, but, you know, I think it's really hard to predict. And I, um, as someone who thought there was no chance that Donald Trump could become president, became president, I've kind of gotten out of the Trump prediction business. <laughs> We need to get rid of the wall. The wall around the prison. Terrible Trump impression, but you get it. Um, get rid of the wall around the prison? That'd be funny. You know, that's a sketch. Yes, sir, with the great mustache. So the question was about an amendment related to bail restrictions in Wisconsin? Yep, and I, I would say that um, two beers in, I'm not going to try to parse that language. Um, but I, I would say that the League of Women Voters and Ballotopedia, I think, both have good explanations if you want to learn about that. But, um, but yeah, that's something that, yeah, I don't want to lead you astray. And so let's get him another beer and see if he has a better answer. <laughs> I'm messing with you. One more beer and like, I'll pay everybody's bail. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, any, yes, go ahead. Oh. Oh, geez, squeeze, we did it. Uh, okay, in the back. We'll go in the back first, and then we'll go to you in the white hat. What kind of a hat is that? It's UW hat. UW hat, okay, awesome. It's a white one, holy smokes. They're making the white ones now. Better not spill coffee on that sucker. More likely beer. Uh, let's hear you uh, back there, though. So I would say it would be that, that, that lawyers who need to be able to feel like they're making credible arguments uh, to, to judges and also lawyers who worry about raising the money they need to raise to make the advocacy they want to do probably would say it's, it's not worth their while um, to, to, to take those cases to the court. They, they, they probably wouldn't be successful. Now, they may try to do it anyway. And of course, there's, there are always people who are willing to fund things that, where they know the outcome isn't going to be likely in their favor, um, but I, the, the law firms in Wisconsin that have been the most aggressive at um, expanding voter rights, pushing back against gerrymandering, um, thinking about labor rights and uh, reproductive uh, health care have been ones that are strategic about what they try to bring before the state Supreme Court, and I, I think they'd be way less likely to do that if they didn't think they had a liberal majority of justices because um, even then, it's not a guarantee um, that, that they would be successful. And then, uh, you, right there, go ahead. Um, first, I'm not sure if you're 
Oh, absolutely. Thank you for your work as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, sorry, that was, so your question is Janet not being tough on crime. Does that rhetoric work on the people of Wisconsin? So we've done a little bit of research about this, where we'll ask people their opinions about a variety of issues, including criminal punishment and you know judicial sentencing and and other kinds of issues related to crime, and then we'll ask people how important those issues are to them and. You know, in Wisconsin, abortion, inflation, healthcare, education tend to outperform crime. Um, there aren't a lot of swing voters. And so it's, it's not likely to persuade people, but it is likely to motivate Kelly supporters, right? So, like, probably the most important thing to remember about the state Supreme Court race in Wisconsin is that it's a low turnout election. And so, if one side can generate a few more percentage points of people on their side to show up and vote, they have a much better chance of winning. And that is an issue that tends to motivate voters on that side. And so it's not really about persuading people, I, I, from my point of view, it, it's, it's about reminding conservative voters why they like conservative judges. And, 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 and so it's trying to motivate them to show up and vote um, in a, you know, on, on a random day in April. Uh, yes, sir, we'll take you and then one final question. Go ahead, sir. Not to date myself, but fond memories of Nixon being impeached. <laughs> Not to date yourself is a that's a sketch right there. You know, if I were to date myself, you know, what would you get yourself for the first drink? <laughs> would you pay for it or not? Okay, but uh, go ahead. Uh, given how the climate has changed so dramatically, of the Republicans. Uh, escaping their their destiny of having leaders that are inadequate. We now have demonstrated that Trump has broken the boundaries beyond any of our imaginations. Do you see in the history of your teaching that the younger generation are becoming more engaged, are wanting to understand history better? And because it's a reference point. If you don't know history you're you're SOL. Do you see that or are we just kind of following the straight line again. I, I think that the students I encounter are exceptionally interested in this kind of thing. Um, and I think they're really interested in what's happened before and how that is like what's happening now and then how it isn't like what's happening now and how that difference might help us understand how we should think about what it means to live in our democracy in 2023 as compared to say 1974 when Nixon resigned, right? Because he was never impeached. He, he would have probably been, right? Re Republican leaders went to him and said, we're not on your side anymore. And he said, okay, I'll resign, right? And so um, that's not what happened uh, either time uh, President Trump was impeached. And so I find students are really interested in, in that, um, th those, those kinds of comparisons, just as they're interested in when President Clinton was impeached, but also not removed from office. And so I think that there's a, a hunger to learn more about this stuff. I think there's a skepticism among students maybe over the last seven or eight years that wasn't present 10 and 15 years ago when it comes to thinking that there's any likelihood that people can compromise to get things done or thinking that there's any likelihood that 
fundamental change happens at the ballot box as compared to, you know, um, participating in, in social movements and things like that. I think students, the, the most engaged students tend to be coming at politics outside of the party system. Um, so movements like Black Lives Matter or transgender rights or or um, or Young America Foundation on the on the right, you know, which is a little bit more tied to the Republican Party, but still like the left leaning groups. But they they tend to be outside party politics, which is a difference, I think, from political engagement ten plus years prior. And so I think students are really interested, and I think they're skeptical that that traditional partisan advocacy is is the solution to to the things they would like to see change. And then final question, who's got it? Well, you asked one, so I'm going to go for the fella. Uh, or I, I can't see if you're a fella or uh, whatever out there. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Whatever in the hell you are, you got a nice blaze orange hat. Is that an OPAT? Yeah, hell yeah, it is. And there you go. There you go. All right. Well, you get a question because you bought the merch. All right. So well, first, I don't think there are any guarantees. I don't think that voting one way or the other means that these things will happen. I think that it means that some things become way more likely or way less likely. I think in, in American politics, I think we can talk in terms of likelihood way more than we can talk in terms of, of certainty. Um, and so I, I wouldn't quite say that results one way or the other make things likely. I would speak more in certainties about things that aren't going to happen, right? So, um, you know, if, if Dan Kelly wins, like, there won't be legal abortion in Wisconsin for the foreseeable future. Like, I think, I feel comfortable making that prediction. If Jana Protosavitz wins, I'm not 100% I'm not confident that would change, but it's way more likely to change, uh, as, as an example. Um, but I agree with you. I think that yeah, younger people especially are more disillusioned uh, with the, the party system. And as you also really uh, perceptively point out, in the current environment, and as Charlie was saying earlier, the, the, the race itself is extremely partisan, even though Protosawitz and Kelly are not running under a party label. There won't be a D or an R next to either of their names when they're on the ballot. It's a nonpartisan race, but our judicial races in Wisconsin have become extremely partisan. Our politics in Wisconsin have become extremely partisan over the last decade and a half. And, and that's only gotten worse, and that's likely only to continue, um, partially because of who's funding the races. Like, it's really started to bifurcate. Um, and more liberal donors are supporting a liberal candidate, and more conservative donors are supporting a conservative candidate. And, you know, you, you might think that when we talk about the judges that we want, you might think, well, we, what we want is an umpire, someone who dispassionately calls balls and strikes related to the Constitution. But then you might immediately think, name a popular umpire, right? Name an umpire that anybody's ever thought, oh, you're doing a great job, ump. Like, no, people have rarely thought that people dispassionately calling balls and strikes are doing a good job, right? And so it, it, 
we tend to decry the partisan nature of judicial elections, but it, it may not it may not be so bad. Um, but it's certainly new, and and that's and new is uncertain, which I think is one of the reasons we feel a little anxious about the election. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for coming out and supporting the Boys and Girls Club of Dane County. Thank you for this first live taping of the Krebs cast, and most importantly, thank you to Mike Wagner. Uh, give him a big round of applause. Yeah, giving him a, a standing O. There you go. And uh, we'll do this again. Thank you all for coming out. Keep her moving and watch for deer. Okay, God bless you all. Folks, that's it for another episode of the Cripes Cast. Uh, thank you all for listening. Big thanks to Comedy on State for um, so for supporting and, and giving us the venue. Uh, big thanks to Mike for coming on. Make sure you go vote if you're in Wisconsin on the Supreme Court election. It's a big one, I tell you that right now. And uh, yeah, you can find out all that information on myvote.wi.gov. And uh, until then, keep her moving. Colleen, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Back could, at you. I couldn't, I couldn't do it without you, Colleen. Are you like crossing your fingers somewhere that no, I can't see? No, I'm waiting for you to say I couldn't do it without you. Couldn't do what without you? <sighs> thank you so much, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I literally could not do anything without I'm you. I'm messing with you. No, I really do appreciate yeah. it. You're making the Cripes cast look and sound beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, and it's great to have you on. Yep. All right, everybody, have yourselves a great week and a happy Easter, and watch out for deer. All right, bye-bye. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down, just keep her moving. It's on Wisconsin, the Badgers say it's the old Wisconsin Jubilee. You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot into walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle, and you think you're done, no. You gotta keep her moving.